Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Hey guys, this is just a special note for the listener, particularly if you are listening to this podcast soon after it has come out. I am adding the old Q&A episodes that are normally on my DIY guitar making YouTube channel. I am adding those to the library of the podcast, starting from the earliest Q&A until I'm, I work my way up to the current day, in which case then... As new Q&As come out, they will be loaded to both the podcast and the YouTube channel and my website. So anyway, all of this is just to say, if you're listening to this soon after it came out, some of the uh, sort of promotional things that I mentioned about the online courses and the workshops and things like that might be out of date. If you want current information on that, just go to my website, ericschaferguitars.com. I thought it would be fun to just answer some of your questions. So I'm going to go through some of these real quick. Let's see. That's a piece of a counterboard bit, but seems to work nicely. 40 to 1 is very... This is, this is Russell Scott. 40 to 1 is very impressive, but I imagine it'll go out of tune slightly, as they all do, as it's probably more down to string stretch, temperature, etc. What he's talking about there with the 40 to 1 is in my last video. I was talking about these um, Steinberger gearless tuners, which are the equivalent of a 40 to 1 tuning ratio. Now, his question is just a, a bit of a misunderstanding of what um, that 40 to 1 actually implies. What we're talking about there with the tuning ratio is not the tuning stability, which is what I think you were getting at, Russell Scott. Uh, the tuning stability is basically uh, when your strings go out of tune and you have to retune them, how often, how frequently do you have to do that? That's your tuning stability. It's really annoying if they do that a lot. Uh, they're very stable, and he's right. This has more to do with the string itself when they don't down-tune themselves, requiring you to tune them back up all the time. These 40 to 1 ratio tuners, think of it this way. Uh, if you've ever used ukulele tuners, cheap ukulele tuners, real cheap, those planetary tuners, and when you tune up a ukulele, a cheap ukulele, you'll notice that it's actually really hard to land on a really accurate pitch because the tuning, which is usually four to one or something really low like that on those cheap tuners, that four to one tuning ratio is like you just breathe on that tuner. You just barely turn it, just a subtle movement, and the pitch jumps up. 
or you bring it back down and the pitch just jumps back down. So it's really hard if the spot you're trying to hit is right here to actually hit it because you are constantly over shooting and then over correcting in the other direction when you down tune it. So they're, they're just very imprecise in that way. Those four to one cheapo planetary tuners. Uh, the higher tu tuning ratio tuners, what they get you is that micro precision so that it's actually very easy to land on that, that spot that you're aiming for, right? You can get there with the four to one tuners. It's just, you're, you're probably going to overcorrect a couple times and come back and forth before you land on it. So you can think of the benefit of high ratio tuners is actually smaller than um, many people think. It's it's you know more of a micro improvement to your guitar because it really only affects you. You only get to experience the the benefit of those tuners when you're tuning them. It makes that job a little bit easier to do because well. Because. I just explained it. <laughs> I don't want to uh, sit on that for too long, but I think that was a little bit of a... You're, you're thinking of tuning stability, and I'm thinking of how fine that uh, the tuning actually is. How, how much you can uh, micro-tune that tuner. Okay. Love those, again, this is in reference to the tuners. Love those tuners ordered a set last week to try in my next build. Could you add a link to the source of that counterbore bit? He's talking about the bit I use to counterbore these. I'm um, sorry, I can't. Uh, not because I don't want to. It's just, it would be it would be just as easy for you to find these as it was for me. I didn't save the link or anything like that. I included in the video, um, it's, flashes onto the screen the name of that tool or that bit if you want to buy it and as with whenever I mention the tool or a, a bit or something like that on camera I will usually throw the name of that thing on screen and you can if you just copy and paste that into your search you're gonna find the same thing so you, you might have to scroll around a little bit but you'll find it um, Oh, and by the way, anytime I mention tools in here, there's another reason why I'm not providing a link. I don't do Amazon affiliate kind of stuff or any affiliate uh, stuff with tool companies. So I'm really just doing it for the benefit of you guys. So, you know, do me a favor and just look it up yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Let's see. Uh, do Walter Ryder. Walter Ryder is... I really appreciate you, Walter Ryder. Walter Ryder, I have seen commenting on my videos almost literally since the beginning, since possibly my first video. So thank you, Walter. I always appreciate seeing comments from you. Thank you, Eric. Very interesting. Would you be so kind and show how to use these tuners? Um, well, that's what I think you're going to see a little bit of that throughout this video as we get into our work on the nut and oh I had one other there was a comment in here I wanted to do yes 
Um, this is from Hand Tool Wood Guy, and this is on a different video. If you only have, he's talking about the heat in my shop. Um, I'll just paraphrase this instead of reading it. I was using my wood stove in the sh in the shop in one of my videos, and he's asking about uh, dealing with temperature change, moisture change, and all of that with having an uncontrolled environment like that, where you have to, you know, throw the wood in and heat it, and so overnight it gets super cold, and then you heat it up during the day, and that actually would be hell on your wood, and especially your completed instruments in the shop. So that is not what I do, actually. And I didn't uh, make that distinction in the video, so I'm glad he brought this up. I do actually have electric baseboard heat that will heat this shop, and I just leave it on all winter. It will heat the shop. Um, it's not a super massive heater, but it will heat the shop as long as it stays above basically single digits but if it gets down into single digits or low teens overnight then when i come in in the morning i can definitely feel it it will be at its worst it'll be in like the high 40s indoors but it never you know the heater is able to keep up enough to keep it well above freezing um and that's only on the worst days, right? So most of the time here in uh, central-ish Pennsylvania, most of the time it doesn't get that cold even in the winter. So usually we're just in the 30s, um, you know, the deepest part of winter. So Pennsylvania is interesting. We actually have the biggest freeze-thaw cycle in the whole country. So what that means is we are constantly going below 32, above 32, below 32, above 32. It's why our roads suck, because we have potholes everywhere, because of the ice wedging action from the expansion of the ice, uh, which cracks the road, and then it melts again, and then it fills in with you know more water into those cracks, freezes again, cracks the road even more. That's Pennsylvania. So anyway just kind of describing how rough our winters are here and they're kind of medium rough. They're not that bad. So anyway, my electric baseboard heat keeps up most of the time. And on those very, very cold days when I come in the morning, I know that I just have to add that little extra something, which is the wood stove. But to the spirit of your question, uh, I just want to say that yes, I agree with you that that would be absolute hell on your uh, instruments. And if you were in that situation where you're only heating with wood when you were in the shop and it was just left to the elements overnight, uh, that kind of chaos would be something you would have to figure out some solution for. Otherwise, you would just constantly be dealing with really warped wood and even worse, dealing with warped, finished instruments. There's all kinds of problems with that, as you know. Okay, so I think that's good for the questions. If you enjoyed this and you learned something here, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you are enjoying this on at the moment. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at ericshaferguitars.com. 
or you can register for a hands-on guitar-building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania. Bye for now.